So this week has been quite a cool week. Before we get into our main topic, uh, first things first, your GDC talk went online for free. Yeah, uh, that's always cool. So um, usually all your GDC talks are behind a paywall, mm-hmm. but uh, they just put my quadruped talk from two GDCs ago up online, which is great because uh, I was feeling real guilty about not putting the slides online and making that available for everybody. And then GDC just did it for me, which is fantastic. And it's always it's always like a really nice boost, like a dopamine boost. It feels real good when, when you get something out there like that because then everybody's like, oh my god, I love your talk. Well, And it gets everybody talking to you again. This is the thing. About five minutes ago when we first like just started the call, uh, we got coffee and whatnot, you hadn't even seen the comments or how many views it had had. Like when I last well, looked a few days ago, it had two and a half thousand views. Now it's on four and a half thousand views at the time of recording. With, uh, oh, I, I only- mean, I... I Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, we've only lovely comments. Lots of people loving your talk. That is cool. I guess uh, I was going to cut you off there because I'm like, you never look at YouTube uh, comments, dude. Come on. YouTube comments are like the worst they comments. Are, but I, I get if, if there's something with me in it or people I know, I would like to see what people think of it. And it's universally positive. That That is. Yeah, that was pretty heartwarming, actually. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I got no, got no comment there. It's good. It's pretty it's good. sweet. I, I, you, you do deliver a good talk. I, I, I've only watched the first couple of minutes just this morning, and I like that you come out and immediately start working the crowd, like get them going, arms mm. up in the air, getting those cheers going. I'm like, yeah, she's a I show like girl. Talk. She likes it. <laughs> I do. I hate it. Like being on stages, I'm afraid. Uh, it's mostly just manic fear that you're seeing there that yeah. turns into energy. Uh, that people respond to but if i ever gave a talk more than like 25 minutes i'm pretty sure my heart would explode and then you'd be witnessing just i don't like heart attack or just maybe just explosion yeah i don't know that's what it's like for every sensible person it's a it's a it's the people that can do it take that fear and like you say turn it into energy whereas people that aren't naturally gifted would just go out and be like oh god and like achieve nothing (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is. I liked this talk too because this one was like, uh, not to dwell on this, but like this was the one talk I've given that was really technical, uh, and was like, here's how I do a thing. Whereas most of I give a five minute kind of like micro talk each Mm. year at JDC, uh, and that's mostly just me on stage like dancing and being a clown. I love it. I love Uh, that you have like a little five minute slot to go up and do some comedy for everyone. Yeah. Oh God, I can't wait. I've like I've already planned next year's. Like I, in my oh, head, really? not really. I haven't done the slides or anything, but I like. I already know what I'm gonna do. Oh, I'm awesome. really excited about it. No spoilers, but I'm no looking spoilers. forward to it. Sweet, dude. So, what have you been up to? What's been going on in your life, Chris Light? Well, uh, Chili Dogs is a website that I've started. Which it kind of the point of it is, it just encompasses everything I do in one place. What's also bringing in anyone who I think is awesome to. Uh, make cool things and put it on there so if anyone's like oh there's an article i want to write but it won't get published anywhere and i just want to put it somewhere it's like you could put it on here and then we all work together and make cool things that's kind of the aim of it for me i want to have a place where i work with cool people and make cool things and we just had a really cool article go up uh by lucy blundell who made the game one night stand which is like a visual novel rotoscoped kind of thing Oh, yeah, shit. That's like a big get, man. 
Yeah, well, she I uh I found her game on itch.io uh when mm-hmm. it was it's still in its free form, which was she actually documents the whole because the article's about her her inspirations for making it, why she made it and the reception to it. Uh, mm-hmm. called Curiosity, Risks and Rotoscoping, the story of one night stand. It's a good article. You should go and read it on chilido.gs, which is chili dogs or one word. You see what we did there hilariously with the web address. That is, but, that is um, funny. Yeah, I found it on itch.io because it was trending on there as the free version of it. Played it for a Devolver stream and she turned up in the stream and was like, oh, cool. And then we got talking from there. She released a full version. And so it's done really well as well. She like was nominated uh, for a few awards and won some awards. And Yeah, man. She's like a she did really well. That's awesome. Yeah. Dude, you've gotten so much better at pitching Chili Dogs. You've actually, for the listener, you may not know this, but he's pitched this website before in the last podcast yeah. and the one before that. And it was always like, I know when you first start any new venture, you just don't have the words yet. No. So you you just kind of like ramble and you're like, well, I'm doing a thing. What is the thing? Uh, And in your head, you know exactly what it is. But <laughs> like your mouth won't communicate what it is you're doing. No. And this is... God, if you've never had to, if you've never had to give an elevator pitch to somebody, if you've never had to just describe a project to somebody, you have no idea how suddenly hard it is the oh, minute you have awful. to do it. Awful! I had it's uh, weird. You won't know, listener, as Gwen said, because I cut it out last week because it was like fifteen minutes of me just rambling, and I was just like listening to it back, and <laughs> was just like, God, you've made it sound so boring. <laughs> like no one wants to hear this. No, it's it, there's. It's hard to explain because you, in your head, you know exactly what you're doing. And it seems so obvious and so mm. easy. And you're like, oh, I'll just tell, I'll just tell this other human being what I'm doing. And then you try to do it and you're like, I'm making a game about, well, in the game you are, <laughs> I mean, there's bugs, right? And it's just like, <laughs> what the fuck are you saying? other human being you'd be amazed at how difficult it actually is yeah i i just wanted to say you you've uh i'm getting getting better better. yeah i'm getting getting there there. i'm not i'm not fully there yet but i'm getting there like i've got it down to only a few sentences soon you'll flip to the other side you'll have those sentences sound like you'll be a robot that says those sentences the dream (laughs) oh man you'll get there but speaking of uh, indie developers, uh, that's what we were going to talk about today. We wanted to talk about indie developers that we love. Our indie developing heroes is the idea of this oh, episode God. today. I want you to know, you sent me this text uh, last night. It's just like, um, so the topic for tomorrow is who are who is your indie development heroes? And I was at the bar with like some coworkers. Uh, and I said, oh, guys, uh, just tell me what to say. Who are who are your indie development heroes? And Alan just turns and says, anybody that survives and hangs his head. Damn. And then nobody followed that because they're like, yeah, that's that's accurate. Basically, anybody that survives in this industry is my hero. Uh, anyone. Anyone at all. Any- Dude, if you make a game and you ship that game and I know who you are. And you didn't fold your company after the first game, or even if you did, like if you're still making games somehow, congrats! You're my <laughs> fucking hero. You're the well done. I know how hard it is. Uh, are there any in particular for you? I have a few. Oh yeah, of course. Like I mean, um, so a big one for me is gonna be Play Dead. I would definitely say that. That's Ooh. up there. Uh, I think 
this is hard to explain. So now it's cliche, the idea of like the beautiful indie side scroller. Everybody's making yeah. beautiful indie side scrollers. But like, like I, I was out in California uh, working on a thankless MMO and like my buddy from college who was a, uh, had become a publisher at Microsoft was going on and on about how like, there's a game where you're, uh, uh, you're in a painting and, and he's like really excited about it. And I'm like, whatever, Andrew, you're just excitable. Uh, and he's going on and on about it. And then he's like, no, it's coming out. It's coming out. And he keeps going about it. And he sends me a, a key to play this um, on XBLA. And you have to understand, like, Indie XBLA didn't... The games on there were not financially great. Uh, there was a couple games on there that were beautiful design-wise. And up until this point, like, most of the, the games you think of for indie games were, like, made by Jonathan Blow. They're made by a programmer or a designer, and there weren't a lot of, like, pretty games out there. Mm. Um, and at the time, I still really did want to make indie titles. Someday, I had this dream. Someday, I'd start a studio on, of my own and, like, make titles. Uh, but then I got Limbo, and I saw that, like, that was the first game I played that was indie that was beautiful. Like, literally beautiful. Mm. Um, and it, it just... Like, I played that game, and the like from the minute the spider entered this... Like, from the, the fucking opening, I just knew. I was like, oh, fuck. Indie games are going to be big. This is awesome. <laughs> this is... I'm... Like, before I was saying I wanted to do it, and now I really want to do it. Like, I wanted to be an indie studio. I wanted to, to start an indie studio because of that. And then they fucking made Inside last year, which is just, like, fucking icing, man. Like, so... Th when I went indie... I kind of accepted that, like, I would never give the the big GDC talk, right? Like, you'll never fill a room. No one's gonna... It's not like when you work on something like Bioshock Infinite. It's not like working on Overwatch. Uh, you'll never... People... You'll never push the boundaries of what's possible. And my GDC talks from now on are always going to be, here's how you uh, make a game with limited resources, uh, it's never going to be, I'm the best in the world at shoulder deformation. Here's how you deform a shoulder. Like, yeah. I, I I knew you can't specialize. You have to be, when you're small, uh, you're a small studio, you're, you're just going to have different problems. Your problems are mostly going to be lack of resources. And I just kind of accepted that, like, this is my life now. And then the best, the game with the best animation for that year was definitely inside. Like, mm. a small indie studio made the game that I feel had the best animation, like tech animation, uh, just the the feel of the character, that entire inside is just a, a fucking masterpiece, man, of a game. And I just, it, it was just like, I was right back there. It was just like Limbo again. I just had like another moment where I'm like, oh, it's not enough to be ending. Now I have to be, you know, now, now we have to push the bar. <laughs> like that, so to me, like my hero is played at it's it i spend i feel like i've spent some amount of my career uh chasing what they've accomplished like they are they are fantastic oh, that's um, awesome that's my rant that's what immediately came to mind that's very cool that i mean i've i suck at uh limbo i was really bad at it so <laughs> as hard as i try I need to replay these because I've got better at games over the years. Now they're sort of my job. 
But I remember at the time just being awful at it. But it looked stunning. The same as the same as uh, Inside. I remember seeing the first trailer for that and being like, what? Yeah, that game is gorgeous, man. I thought, I don't know how they, they fucking top that. I'm actually like, I feel like if I was them, I would fold. I would just be like, <laughs> we did it. We did it. Forget it. <laughs> We're done it. now. Let's just, let's just sleep. Like, let's just... <laughs> The, we've we already did it twice. Like, yeah. and that's the other thing. God, following up on success is such a a nightmare. Yeah, um, like it's uh because now you've your first title, um, or the first thing you do with anything, like podcasting, whatever. There's no expectations. You can just put something out there. You don't have to be afraid, really. Like maybe. I mean, I'm not saying you don't have to be afraid. Obviously, doing your first titles in indie studio is a big deal, but. And, like, financially, you're trying to survive and everything. Mm. Um, and I don't want to downplay that. But after you've had success, the eye of Sauron is upon you. <laughs> and everyone, like, expects you to repeat that, but better, but different, but the same. And it's just like, fucking, God, now what? Uh, so anybody that can, I guess that'd be another thing. Any indie that can follow up an incredible success with another fucking incredible success, uh, that would be, that's pretty heroic in my mind. That's a yeah. pretty big one. No, I agree. Uh, I mean, some for me, uh, Super Giant Games is definitely one. Yeah, Pyre looks pretty sweet. Have you it been does. following that? I have. I, I saw it at PAX East, not this most recent one, but the year before, maybe? I remember they had the demo booth there for that. And yeah, it looked really mm. cool. But it was, it was Bastion, really, for me, that... I just fell in love with that game the first time I played it, like from the minute I saw anything to do with it. Yeah, they are definitely, their games are gorgeous and their gameplay is so experimental. Like the Transistor was just, a lot of people are just like, I don't know, I didn't really like it. And a lot of people are just like, uh, since some people loved it, it was pretty polarizing. But you can't say it wasn't different. Well, that's the thing. They went for it. And that was one thing I was going to say, because you talk about following up on success. Bastion definitely did very well, and it's like, well, how'd you top that? They kind of went in a different direction. I mean, it still followed the beautiful visuals, brilliant voiceover, all that stuff. And I love the fact when you played it on the PS4, the sword's voice came through the controller. I remember, and the light on the on the PS4 controller would light up in time to him talking. I thought that was amazing, because it would on the screen as well. Yeah, but anyway. I what Sony... Sony probably paid for that. Oh, of course like, they to did. Get, yeah. <laughs> to get something special that's just on the PS4. Yeah. Like, I wonder, they have to cover the development and then some or something. I don't know. It was like, cool, I'm curious, I'm curious what that deal was. And yeah. Yeah, the, it's, their games have always consistently been beautiful. And they've always, they have a style, but they've always changed what they're doing. Like you say, from Bastion to Transistor to Pyre, they are three very different games. But I mean, you can tell you that by them. they were them. made by... Th- yeah, really? I don't know, man. I mean, they're they're beautiful, but they're so different. I oh, feel like gameplay-wise, you... yeah. But I think the soundtrack, the, uh, the sound, style yeah. of the, the how well voiceover is done, the way the art looks, you get this, or at least I do, get the sense that that's a super giant game when I see one. I'm definitely excited. Like, that Pyre is a day one purchase for me. Like, I'm, I'm excited to see what the hell that game is yeah i think it's out today weirdly enough at the time it's of gonna recording. be super weird 
It, what, today, really? I think so. Jeez. It's out this week. I've been in a cave. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, a few more from me. Uh, Team Meat. I of loved, course, yes. I loved Super Everybody. Meat Boy and I loved Indie Game the movie, so. Mm-hmm. There you go. They are, that, like, that's so the classic, too, because they were such a, uh, they they brought back the idea that games can be hard and that can be a good thing. Like, yeah. they brought back the idea that, that a small team can make a, like, two one or two people can fucking make a game. Like, they're... For me as well, it. what was quite cool was that they came up through Newgrounds, which there was a period on Newgrounds where it was, like, particularly fertile for things that were actually good, both animation and games. And me and my friends were just, like, obsessed with Newgrounds at that time. So knowing Meat Boy, that it had come from there and seeing it come up and stuff like that, it, th- that added to kind of part of it that was like, oh, that's cool. I know those guys. They were all part of that whole scene on Newgrounds. Like my friend, we would even make animations that would go on Newgrounds and they kind of did okay and stuff like that. And that was all inspired by this. There's actually been a documentary about that period on Newgrounds and I need to find it and I need to watch it. Because I saw it and was like, oh God, yeah, that was like a whole thing and loads of people came out of that that are now kind of successful (laughs) on the internet and i was actually we just found that and were fans of it and all these different people that were on it so it's got that kind of past love as well and like you say indie game the movie they were kind of the good guys in that you had jonathan blow who just sort of is jonathan blow and it's not someone <laughs> I, I connect with on a personality level, but like... Hey, he made two good games, so we've defined that as being uh, a hero. Yeah, right there. there you go. And uh, I mean, Phil the Witness Fish. is like pretty fucking... Yeah. 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 Oh, that was from Newgrounds? No, no, sorry. I was talking about Indie Game the Movie there. Oh, uh, Indie Game the Movie. Okay. Phil Fish was uh, uh, him. And... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, in that film, Team Meat were were like they seemed like the normal good guys, and like I say, you knew them from Newgrounds, and it was like yeah. And Super Meat Boy was so good. What I never normally like hard games, particularly, but the fact that this game were the controls were so good, and that you started over again immediately, it was like you'd just sit there for hours and play it, and it was so much fun. And yeah, I loved those guys so whatever else they do they're on that list of like same with super giant games i remember when i finished bastion being like whatever the next game is i'm getting it like immediately i don't care what it is because this was so good that i'm gonna get yeah. it yeah that's awesome hmm how about any more I'm from gonna... you uh you made me think of a couple actually when you said that because you said um you were talking about how they have a cohesive art style that kind of like defines them as a studio and i think for me a similar example would be clay i think Ah. they they've really nailed the 2d animation i think you can kind of if i see an amazing a a game that has amazing 2d animation um i i can kind of uh i'm not saying that's always clay but like (laughs) you can kind of tell a a clay game i think maybe yeah no i agree they've definitely got a style which works yeah. really well. Did I mean, Dun- I, you know, Vancouver's got a lot of good shit. Uh, Red Hook, are, aren't they out of Vancouver? Red Name Hook. Him, what have they like, made? Uh, Darkest Dungeon, which oh. also had like an incredible style to it. Mm. Um, maybe there's something in the water in Vancouver for like <laughs> stylized, artistic 2D indie games. Um, but yeah, Clay, I, I actually, for Clay, I think Invisible Ink, it was like one of the... Uh, 
like that game was so good and so underappreciated. I really freaking loved that game. I was a good sad game. it didn't go gangbusters. Like Don't Starve did or Oxygen Not Included. I can draw a line between Oxygen Not Included and Don't Starve. Like it, with the second I saw Oxygen Not Included, I was like, yep, this is the art team that made Don't Starve, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good thing in a way. I think it's a it's a cute, good style that's really appealing um, and fresh. And uh, I think it's it doesn't have that like how every game kind of looks like Pixar look yeah. to it. Well, that's, uh, I guess, Overwatch, right? Yeah. Well, uh, what is it? There's two ways to succeed. You're either unique or you're, you're uh, new or you're the best in the breed. Yeah. So Overwatch, they succeeded because they are the best at nailing that style. Um, you can either go in that direction and try to be like the best at X, or you can be like, I'm going to be totally different. Mm. Um, and Clay, I think, went for the the totally different. Um, and it works. Yes, it does. Uh, and I, I feel like I respect them. It's hard for me not to look at the business, too. I respect that like, they they started small. They grew they grew their team. They've been struggling along for a long time, uh, this, making making various games. And uh, that they, they were all pretty damn good and all pretty much had a voice and a vision to them. And they've they're now a multi project studio uh, like they that. I, I think they're I respect them because they're and they're my hero, I guess, if we're talking heroes, because they're successful. Um, another one, I guess I would put in the same vein. This is going to be a dark horse option. Uh, I think Alan from Tripwire is uh, just a person I have immense respect for. Yeah. Um, I. So you may not know this, but like. God, how do I even begin this? <laughs> First off, a lot of indies talk to each other. Uh, and there's definitely celebrity indies, like you mentioned, Jonathan Blow. Yeah. Um, and I feel like uh, the people, uh, uh, in order to be a celebrity, you have to dedicate a certain amount of time and effort and energy to that, and not to game development. And I'm not saying you can't be a good game developer and a and a um, and a big personality, a big deal on the internet. You can. You absolutely can. Like I think Tim Schafer is a huge deal on the internet and also an incredible game developer. And I think. Yeah. A lot of people can pull that off, right? Um, but I, there's also, you do get the people who are like a big deal on the internet and they're maybe like, uh, they're ga- they're not necessarily the best game developers. You just heard about them because they're a big deal on the internet. And you get the opposite. You get people like Alan who are just phenomenal game developers um, and who will probably never be famous on the internet, but who are incredible for us as an industry. Uh, Alan came over, I think, from the UK. Uh, settled in in Georgia, which is like if you're gonna come to America and start a games company, like go anywhere but Georgia. Wouldn't be the like, first to, pick, no. Jesus, man, like go Seattle, Austin, San Francisco, L.A. Nah, fuck it, Georgia. Like so, he goes to fucking the middle of nowhere. Uh, starts Tripwire with some people out there, and like just forms a studio out of the dust that has been. That has somehow struggled on for for over a decade now, and nobody ever thinks of him when they think of nobody thinks of Killing Floor when they think of like successful indies. But he was around before, you know, Play Dead, before before Jonathan Blow, before a lot of these these names you know. Like he was, he has been running his independent studio um, out of Georgia for forever, uh, and he's been a huge deal in trying to uh make game companies a thing in that region of america 
Uh, like he he's a big deal locally. Uh, even though he'll he's probably not a big deal on the internet. I respect Alan a great deal. I think I personally don't play a lot of shooters. Um, mm. but I think the fact that he has run a successful business that has grown steadily over time, um, in the middle of fucking nowhere, it like God, America's expensive. How do you come to America? <laughs> start a studio here in like a ridiculously expensive country uh but not like where you can take advantage of the fact that you're in america like in georgia Mm. i mean i don't i can't stress how like bizarre that is to me (laughs) and then like to make it work is just like it's cool like i think he's he's a cool dude um i like that he's i also just like him as a human being like he's fun to talk to He's really open with advice. Um, he advised us a lot when we were starting out. Um, and again, like, this is a person who you'll never hear. Like, you won't see him. He, he's probably, he's not Jonathan Blow on the internet, right? Yeah. No, I get you. That's awesome. Uh, you mentioned Tim Schafer in there as well. Double fine ones You wanted me. to loop back and talk about your hero? <laughs> That's what, you know, we're keeping the circle going, right? The conversation. Absolutely, Tim Schafer. Mm. Uh, I know he's your hero, Chris. We've talked about this. Yes, actually, I forgot that I've talked about my <laughs> crushingly embarrassing "Hi, Tim Schafer" meeting at the Baptists. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was. I think it it was all their documentaries and stuff up for uh, um, the Double Fine Adventure. I mean, I was aware of them before that, having played uh, Brutal Legend. I think was one of the first of theirs I played. That was that the first? No, that wasn't the first Double Fine game, or was it? What was the first Double Fine game? Anyway, I played Brutal Legend, and I was one of the people that actually super enjoyed it, even when it turned into a, like a strategy game. I was like, "This is cool." Played it all the way through, and then read online that everyone was like, "This was why it becomes a strategy game, lame." And I was like, "Oh, I just kind of took it as it came, and didn't really think about the fact that it was a strategy game, and just kind of enjoyed it." <laughs> But, like, um, but I, I kind of like strategy games. Yeah, I was like, I was fine. It was quite a light strategy game, if anything. <laughs> I was fine with it. But um, I think it was with the documentary series of the Double Fine Adventure that was the first time that for someone like me to be able to see the process of making a game in a studio with a bunch of people in it. And it was just super interesting. And I loved that. So they are definitely some for me. Like, whatever. Again, they're another group that, like, whatever they do, I'm going to check it out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think they... And they are definitely part of the game game developer as celebrity thing, which I have super mixed opinions on. Like, it... it, I I have super mixed opinions on it, but I think they do it right, and I think they're they're just super cool. They're just cool people. It is how... I mean, to me, it's how they raise awareness of the games right like if you weren't aware of tim schaefer and all this stuff would you i mean i you know from the documentary like they say they made sure to put their even on the lucas arts games they were like put your name on the cover like a, a game by tim schaefer kind of thing because mm-hmm. it's like because then people know your name and then when you do more things if this is successful people know your name already and it's like i get that like coming from the sort of trying to get people to look at you industry mm-hmm. i'm like yeah do that because no one else is doing that and if you don't do that how is anyone ever going to know anything you ever do unless you advertise yourself so that makes sense to me but oh yeah totally um i think like it makes a lot of sense i i 
um, a lot of the games I worked on previously before indie were obviously huge. Mm. Uh, then you're you're trying to get people to know the brand, yeah, like the game or the studio, not really just you personally. But Tim's like from back in a time when you made games with very few people. So for him to return to indies uh, is like. I, I suspect I'm talking my ass here, but I suspect he started out working at a small studio, um, like Monkey Island. I suspect was probably an insanely small team. Yeah, and he was just kind of like, I like small. I'm gonna keep it pretty small, and he kept Double Fine pretty small, and he just stayed in the limelight. Uh, th- it was a different path from what the rest of the industry was doing. Really, like when I th- named the person that made. Like name the lead designer from from Halo. Name the lead yeah. designer on a uh, World of Warcraft. Name the the lead designer on and any of these huge, big, successful titles that that everybody aspired to work on. And you probably can't. Um, but you can name Tim Schafer. You can name Sid Meier. You can name uh, obviously more modern people like Jonathan Blow and such. Uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah, I think. Um, I think we're seeing more of a trend towards the celebrity uh, celebrity game developer, especially in the design space. Um, like people want to know who designed their game. They want to follow them on Twitter, uh, especially in the indie space, particularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they want to have that, that personal connection. And we've talked about that before. Um, and there's good things to that and bad things to that. And there's people who do it well and people who do it poorly. Tim does it well. He's He's good. Uh, he's good at being in the spotlight. He gives a good, <laughs> he runs a good stage. Yeah. Talk about, oh my God, can that man run a good stage? I'm sure you appreciate that too. Oh God, yeah. He's brilliant. <clears throat> really like just relaxed and funny and great. And especially as that's not, I guess it is part of his job now, but like, I guess that's not, I always saw it as like, well, that's not even his job. It's not even what he does. <laughs> and he's so good at it. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, probably the last one on my list that I wrote would be, uh, Dodge Roll Games, who made End of the Gungeon. If you're ah, yes. Now, they, when I first went to, so there's a very personal connection to these group of guys. Um, when I first went to America for the very first time, which was TwitchCon like two years ago, I hosted a stage and they were the very first group of developers that I remember meeting that were super nice and had a really cool game that I remember just seeing it and being like, wow, you did, how many of you are there? And you made this? This is really cool. This looks really nice. And yeah. then this was like the very beginning almost of their press tour. And from there, I went on to do more stages. I went on to work with Devolver, which meant I became part of sort of the build-up to this game coming out. And so they were there early in your career. Yeah, you they like. were kind of the first yeah. game that I feel like I was a small part of the launch of. Because that was the first one that I saw from it's coming to it coming out to it being quite a like reasonable success. And just getting to know them more and more as I went on. And yeah, they are a very, a very nice group of people, like very nice, um, particularly nice, in fact. And yeah, they, they were very nice to me and they made a really cool game that I am 
as described by Brent, who is one of the people that works there, I am uniquely bad at Enter the Gungeon. Uh, I keep playing it, though, because I really enjoy it, but I've only got past, like, the first part of it once. So the first floor I've passed one time ever, and I was elated when I beat a boss. Because, like, yeah, these sort of games are not the sort of games I normally play, but, yeah, there's just so much that was gone into that game, and talking to them about how they made it and why they made it and it yeah the the whole thing for me was like a it was a big deal for me so yeah people who are nice to you early in your career i mean i mm, it's hard to remember that too like because i'll go to gdc or or these things i'm gonna girls make games today to to like to talk to some girls who are Mm. making games i guess uh and uh uh, not today, but like I get frustrated from just the overwhelming uh, number of students who come up and ask you the same fucking questions or just like I'll go to these events to try to talk to, to colleagues and meet other people and I'll be overrun with like uh, people who are not hobbyists and, and people who are trying to break into the industry and it's hard to uh, be as nice as possible yeah. sometime after you're overrun with people like this mm. uh but and i don't want to be negative but like i am uh and it, it, you got to remember that early in your career there was somebody that was nice to you and that it stuck yeah uh and that it matters so much to just like be that person that is that will listen to you ask the same question 20 other people have asked why don't you read the faq kid uh, but, and like, be, be nice and be pleasant and be, be there for people who are just starting out because they'll remember it. Um, and it, it does matter. And like, I think it's cool that you had that experience with Enter the Gungeon guys. I'm glad they're, they're actually like cool people, especially like if you're giving a, uh, an interview on a stage at a convention, if there's ever a fucking time when you're worn down and it's like, I don't feel like being nice to this stranger right now. It's usually at conventions, I yeah, feel. God, yeah. And uh, um, did you have any more indie dev heroes? Or we actually have some from the listeners. Ooh, let's hear what the listeners have to say. Well, Alexandra M. Lucas says that uh, Christine Love, who made Lady Killer in a Bind, which I remember hearing a little bit of buzz about when it came out. Mm-hmm. She says, uh, makes erotic visual novels about girls tying up girls. I love games that explore romance and sexuality. Yeah, looks like she recommended another BDSM game too. She might, uh, oh, yeah. might be learning something about Alexandra today. I think we may. Uh, it's Robert Yang who uh, recently released The Tea Room, sim of 1960s gay bathroom cruising scene, previous games about BDSM and consent. Yeah, I think we know what Alexandra M. Lucas, I think we know what some of your interests are. And This goes back to servicing a niche. Like That's another way to succeed as an indie. To really find an underserved niche, like the likelihood that uh, 2K or EA make a game about, you know, BDSM, uh, probably not going to happen. Probably, probably their shareholders not. would not be for that. Yeah, there's not um, going to be Call of Duty BDSM. No, that would be... In, in, yeah, I'm not even going to go there. Four <laughs> jokes popped into my mind. Oh, that we I, should I, I can hear you, like, sorting them. Uh, 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 oh, oh, no, like, which one? It. That one's even funnier. No, we're going to let that go. Uh... <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, so, like, I mean, it takes a, a, I say it takes balls to make a game like that, but I'm pretty sure that 
lady killer and the bind was made by a lady. But it, it takes some go- some some gumption yes. to be like, all right, BDSM is an underserved market. I see an opportunity here. Uh, EA is not. I'm not going to be competing with EA. So and nobody else is willing to do this um, because they're all a bunch of you know scared bitches. I'm going to make a game. So <laughs> I can totally see that being your yeah. I can see that being like your hero. <laughs> um, we've got Odd Raven on Twitter as well. Um, I'm probably going to butcher this guy's last name, but uh, Brian Provinciano, potentially, uh-huh. uh, apparently still makes games for DOS, and his new games look super cool as well. And there's a uh, ROM City Rampage, like Retro City Rampage, but 8 bit. Apparently, a guy that Jack. still makes games for DOS. Who is this odd raven guy that's into DOS games? Like, people are into the... I, I mean, cool. That's also an underserved niche. Yeah, DOS games, <laughs> really, yes. Yeah, like that's... Uh, I don't think EA is making games for DOS. I think that's what people are really connecting... People on Twitter that replied to us are clearly really connecting to um, niche games that, uh, that service... Uh, something that they personally really, really want yeah. or that they personally really believe in. So that kind of, I mean, that I can see why that would be your hero. If uh, you're like super into DOS. <laughs> yeah. Tom McKenzie says Eric Barron. I think I might be saying that right, which is concerned ape on Twitter who made Stardew Valley. I mm. uh, love the fact that you can look at his YouTube channel and see his work in progress. Amazing game, which uh, you should check out Gwen Frey's YouTube channel as well. Oh, but, enough. Um, I think, uh, yeah, definitely any game that's made by one developer yeah, and is crazy. successful. Holy shit. And Stardew like Valley was crazy successful. Yes. Games that are made by one one person. Oh, man. Craziness. That's and the horrifying. fact that it's so successful and he's still working on it and you can follow all of that. that that's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, I can see how that would be your hero. Yeah. Uh, we should probably wrap this up about here, Gwen. You think so? That um, does seem reasonable. It's been great to talk to you, Chris Lay. Thanks, Gwen Frey. It's been good to talk to you as well. All right. This has been Gwen Frey and Chris Lay, and you have been in the dialogue box.